When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports Day for Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And for McDonald's, crispy, crunchy golden onion rings are back at Macca's and they come with tangy barbecue sauce. This is Sports Day. Yes, g'day everybody and welcome to Sports Day on this Boxing Day night. Adam White and Daniel Menzel to take you through the next couple of hours. There's plenty to talk about, plenty of cricket to talk about. And as I am speaking to you now, Steve Smith has been given out LBW. And as Steve Smith often does, he contests the fact that he's been given out. He's been given out LBW and we are now currently in a DRS situation. So as that uh, continues on, and we'll tell you exactly what happens as soon as we get an answer, I can officially welcome in Daniel Menzel. Happy Christmas and welcome, Dan. Merry Christmas, Whitey, and to everyone out there. It's uh, a special day, obviously Christmas Day, but Boxing Day as well with uh, the Boxing Day test. And a little update, Steve Smith is not out. He's not out, you're correct. It's been overturned. Yes. It's going It's going to miss. It's going over the stump. So a good review there from Steve Smith and uh, 19 not out. He stays at the crease for the Aussies. How was your yes, Christmas, so- Adam? It was all right. It was all right. It was... Uh, if we weren't at home. Uh, we were sort of on the road for lunch this year. So um, I've got three kids and, and a wife. So, yeah, we were on the road and uh, we were away for most of the day. And then my parents came over late in the night to um, to see my kids. So it was a pretty low-key affair. And because it rained for most of the day, there yes. was no cricket played outside, which was a, a major issue for my boys, particularly. I've got two boys and a girl. They... They couldn't go out and play with their cousins. They were, they were restricted to being inside. How, how yeah. was your Christmas? Mine was good, mate. They, they're to the age now, I guess, your boys were 8 and 11. Uh, yep. So that age where they do want to be outside. I've got a eight-week-old boy, right. so that uh, the weather doesn't really factor into it too much for me. But, uh, no, it's always a good day. You, you see both sides of the family. You see people that you literally haven't seen for 12 months and won't see for another 12 months. But it is a great experience. And, uh, yeah, look, I loved it. It was great for my, my partner, Ash, and myself to have Bailey around for the first one. But um, equally, just as good as today, Boxing Day, the cricket is on and everything gets a little bit back to normal. Yes. Now, Adam Collins will join us shortly live from the MCG with a, an update on things. It has been a frustrating day, I think, for all for everybody. I don't think Australia has batted particularly well. I don't think Pakistan has bowled particularly well. It certainly haven't bowled consistently. And then we had a, a two-hour rain delay, at least a two-hour rain delay. So I think everyone's sort of a little bit frustrated with how the cricket has unfolded throughout the course of the day. So the current score is two for 141 with... Labuschagne on 22 and Smith on 19. Had Smith actually been out, I shouldn't say if he was given out because he was given out, but as you said, Dan, it was overturned. Um, Three for 141. Australia really aren't taking the game forward. So Pakistan in bowling type conditions aren't actually doing too badly at the moment. 
Yeah, they're going quite well, Pakistan. And I'm looking forward to asking Kolo about this, that Pakistan won the toss. Shah Masoodi won the toss and he decided to bowl. Now, Pat Cummins said he would have bowled as well. I want to ask Kolo in particular, the last three Boxing Day tests, the team that's batted first hasn't made 200. So they have actually struggled in the test and have gone on to lose it, which is why Masood said that they wanted to put Australia in first. So be interested to see what Kolo says there in terms of the conditions and the decision has it proved to be right. Uh, but yeah, look, Australia, it has been slow going. A couple of hours of rain, unfortunately, delayed it. But you're over there, Whitey. We shouldn't see too much more rain over the next four days, should we? No, it should be okay. I must confess, I was surprised they got back on because there was another big rain front coming, but it's actually gone to the south of the MCG and missed. So uh, they should get through till 6.30, which is the, the scheduled close. Just just on the pitch, I'm really surprised by the pitch, I must confess, having um, broadcast all the Sheffield Shield games at the MCG over the last oh, however many years, particularly the last two or three it really has been difficult to bat on yep. on the pitch. A lot of grass, a lot of live green grass, and batting has just been really difficult. But seeing the pitch this morning, I couldn't believe the colour of it. It certainly wasn't nearly as green as I thought it would be, and it seemed to have been shaved down a little bit more than, than I thought as well, which meant that batting wasn't as difficult as what I thought it was going to be. I, I feared for Pakistan had Australia gone in and uh, and taking the new ball against Pakistan, that they could have been all out for as many as they got in the second innings in Perth. But the pitch just it, it isn't the same as what we've seen in recent times. Adam Collins uh, is with us now on Sports Day on SEN, live from the MCG commentary box. Colo, good evening to you. Yeah, great to be with you. For a moment there, it looked like Stephen Smith might have been a dismissed leg before wicket by Shaheen Shahafridi, but... Yeah, where he was out by about a millimetre in Perth last week. He was yes. by, by about a centimetre today with that just going over the leg bail. I must admit, when calling it, I thought it was an ambitious appeal on, on the back of the body language of the of the slips. But, yeah, the call went Pakistan's way, albeit briefly. So there's so many questions to ask you, Colo, but one for me, that just on the pitch, were you surprised or have people been surprised at the colour of it and, and, the, and the way that it's played? It's not quite as bowler-friendly as we all thought? Yeah, interesting question. I mean, the colour of it, it actually feels pretty similar to me anyway to how it has the last three summers. And I reckon there's a case this has become the best pitch in Australia on the basis of what it's offering to bowlers. And I think that might be a bit of a corrective on what was going on here in 2017 and 2018, which were two objectively bad pitches. And speaking to the ground staff this morning, as I'm sure you do as well, Whitey, working on Sheffield Shield cricket here at the G, they, they told me about how they removed a, a slab of concrete, which was about yes. one foot in thickness. And upon getting rid of that, the drainage has changed completely and the complexion of the pitch as well. And in addition to that, Matt Page leaving grass on there. Less grass this time, to be fair, but still six millimetres of grass. I know we get fixated on how many millimetres <laughs> is on a pitch at any given time, but still it, it's all playing a role. Even looking at the cricket ball at the moment, it's still pretty new. You can still see the yep. writing on it. And we're up to about 54 or 55 overs or something like that. So uh, that certainly wouldn't have been the case here five or six years ago, Whitey, where the new ball was knackered within five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And one more from me before Dan can ask you some questions. I, I mentioned off the top, I don't think Australia have batted particularly well today. Uh, but, I don't, but I don't think Pakistan have been able to bowl with any sort of consistency to to put Australia under pressure. I mean, Manus and, and Steve Smith, they, they look out of sorts, but, but they're still there. 
yeah, it's it's not going to go down as a day or Australia. We're well, not going to be releasing a highlights DVD of the way Australia no. play. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's fairly uh, slow going. I mean, even now, as they they take drinks, Lava Shane's found the boundary a couple of times, Smith a couple of times. They've been batting for ages, and I think that's okay. They're both playing themselves into form. Uh, you know, quietly, Lava Shane's had a, a tough twelve months. I say quietly because a, yep. a crucial hundred at Old Trafford that saved the Test match almost certainly, uh, and played his role in India, getting starts throughout, and played played his role in the World Test Championship as well. But taken as a whole, his batting average has dropped from 59 to 52 in the space of one calendar year. And he was number one batter in the world, according to the ICC, 12 months ago. He's the number nine batter in the world now. So it, 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 it's not monumental. It's not going to change the, the arc of his career too dramatically, I wouldn't have thought. But it's clear that he's not going as well or batting as fluently as he was over the previous three years. And the same, in a way, can apply to Stephen Smith. 300 this year, two in England, one at the Oval in the World Test Championship final on day one, and one at Lords that you were there for as well with me, Whitey, on SEN Test Cricket, um, which ended up being in a decisive match, getting Australia a 2-0 lead in that series, which was sufficient to retain the urn. So it hasn't been a disaster for Smith, but to the naked eye, he just looks out of touch. He just looks a different, less fluent player to the one that we were conditioned to watching reeling off century after century up until about 2019. So I find it fascinating watching players or any athlete deep into their career, which Smith is now, trying to find a way to go again, to go again, to find something more. Uh, and look, I, I think that's going to be part of the Steve Smith story bet- between now and whenever it is that he does pull the pin as a test cricketer, probably in a couple of years. Now, Colo, as you mentioned, it looks like reasonably tough batting conditions, or they're not, they're not actually going that well at the moment. But the team that has batted second has won the last three Boxing Day tests. Uh, the team that's batted first hasn't made more than 200. Are we expecting the pitch to be easier to bat on tomorrow and when Pakistan have their first innings? It's a good question. Look, I think that batting second has been an advantage here on the basis that teams have been able to take all 10 wickets on day one. That was the case with India here in 2020 uh, with... Uh, Australia against England in 2021 where they rolled them in two and a half sessions and last year uh, of course where uh, Australia had a had a big day on Boxing Day so look that that tends to be the, the rhythm of Boxing Day test matches since the grass has been left on and since the pitch has changed its complexion in the way that we discussed earlier in this conversation so you would think on that basis it should get easier to bat on but shield cricket um, if you want to use that as a guide it, it's been yeah, pretty hard going to batters all the way through so yeah time will tell but um, at least Pakistan have given themselves a bit of a sniff, but it'll mean nothing if Australia are, are two down at stumps, even on a rain-reduced day and without making the bulk runs they would have loved when waking up this morning. If Smith and Labashain are there when they wake up tomorrow, uh, that'll still feel like Pakistan have missed an opportunity. It will, without a doubt. And the other point with that is Steve Smith, I was having a look at the averages of Australians in Melbourne. His average is nearly 96 at the MCG in test matches. It is. However, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to play some trickery with the numbers here, but it's <laughs> worth doing. He scored centuries in four consecutive summers here between 2014 and 2017. So against India, uh, the West Indies, Pakistan, uh, and England, respectively. Uh, so he was just extraordinary, invincible on this ground through that stretch of time. You know, post uh, his 12-month ban, uh, he's only made it beyond 20 once in four innings, and this will be the second time. So yeah, it, it's not been that, that absolutely dominant overall record is well earned, but it's not necessarily the story of Steve Smith at the MCG since 2017. 
That's a really good point you make. Now, the noise in the external commentary is a little bit quieter heading into this test than it was the first test around David Warner and Mitchell Johnson and a few other things. What's the storyline for the Boxing Day test this year? It, well, it's also been Kawaja's shoes again, as it was uh, last week. And I mean, the the uh, I didn't expect that to be uh, dominating so much of my life and everyone else's who covers the game, but here we are. Uh, look, that's going to continue to tick over because Usman Khawaja is fairly strident, but he's going to, not going to let this go. There was some chat this morning that he might wear the dove on his bat in the same way that Labuschagne uh, wears the uh, the Bible verse on his bat, which has been mm-hmm. um, greenlit in the past, and uh, and he would have, I guess, I suppose, rolled the dice on that basis. But uh, he didn't have that on his blade today. Instead, he had his kids' names written on his boot. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's still more where this story goes. Pete Lawler made a great point on our SCN coverage earlier today that typically when uh, situations reach a point like this, there ends up being a, a, a tipping point for the athlete. Does the athlete want to uh, take action, which will have an adverse effect on their career? Now, in this instance, Usman Khawaja, people have gone through what will actually happen. Kind of the worst that can happen is a 75% match fee. Fine, that is. So he's not going to get suspended for games, I think, you know, offhandedly, we thought that might be the effect if he continued to uh, act against the interest of what the ICC have stated. So it may well be that he makes his decision to uh, to, to, to have the image of the dove or, or the, the words that he had written down on his shoes at training last week back later in the summer. Time will tell. But as of last night when Kawaja was on social media talking about um, the alleged hypocrisy of the ICC, and I think fairly, uh, given what we've seen from other cricketers across the world, and not getting called up by the ICC. Um, I think there'll be a lot more uh, as it relates to this story between now and the end of the home summer. So, Colo, as we let you go, just because you're there, you know more about this than us. Do we go through till 7 o'clock tonight? So is it 6.30 plus the extra half hour? Yeah, 6.30 plus 30. So we we exhaust the full 60 minutes of rain delay add-on, which takes us from 5.30 to 6.30. And then from 6.30 to 7.00, we get our bonus time for slow over rates, which, as you know, why yep. is baked into every single test yes. playing day now. So on that basis, Pakistan should, wait for it, drum roll, they should get their overs in, uh, which never would have happened last week. So um, owing to the rain, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, be, they'll be in good nick with the match referee when they, when they uh, run the rule over their over rates today. So I think they've got 11 or 12 to go between now and 7 o'clock. And if the rain stays away, the light's fine at the moment. They should get all of those in. Yes, bright sunshine at the moment. It didn't look like that was going to be the case uh, probably about two, hour, two hours ago now. Mm. Colo, thanks very much for your time. I know you've still got another stint to go before the end of play. And if people do want to listen to the cricket, uh, head over to uh, the, the, the whatever channel it is. There's so many channels on SEN to, to listen to, but uh, SEN Test Cricket. Yeah. Just go to the app and just hit the, the cricket button. You can get that right through until 7 o'clock Melbourne time. Thanks, Colo. Appreciate your time. Cheers, lads. Thanks, Colin. So, Adam Collins there, live from the MCG. So, Dan, as it stands at the moment, Australia 2 for 146, Labuschagne on 23, and Smith on 23. As we were coming to it, as I said hello, uh, that was the Steve Smith situation. So it's probably a chance to, to reset and exactly go through exactly what has happened today. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. The Harcourt's open line, one 736 736 or the temper text machine, 0433-981116. But... There was some. There was a couple of anxious moments early. David Warner got dropped. One of the easiest slips catches I've ever seen dropped it in was. a Test match. Um, I don't know how uh, that was dropped by Shafiq, but it was. 
Um, and in the end, David Warner went on to make 38. He was out on, on what became the last ball before lunch. So Selman bowling the last over just to just to have it over and and uh, nicked it straight to first slip. And then Usman Khawaja, not long after uh, lunch, he was out for 42. So Warner for 38, Khawaja for 42. And now as we look up on the screen, Labashane 27, Smith 23, Australia 2 for 150. Now Smith was dropped on 10, a tough chance at cover by Baba Azam diving away full stretch and low to his right. Big cover drive. So if he took it, it would have been a freak catch, but he did put it down. And to show just a couple of things, just how hard it has been for Labashane and Smith. At one point, their partnership of seven took 62 balls. Now, their partnership is a lot more now. It's now worth 42 from 143. But it was just so slow going for these guys. They were playing and missing a lot, particularly Labashane. For whatever reason, Labashane can't can't make a run through the offside. And the swing, 2.2 degrees average at the MCG, and it was only 0.75 degrees in Perth for the Pakistanis. So that just shows very different conditions, very different atmospheric conditions, as well as the, the grass on the pitch. And we've got a scenario where... They're good bowling conditions, but I'm just not sure Pakistan have taken the, the most of those opportunities. No, it's a really good point. If Australia did bowl first, which Pat Cummins mentioned he would have done if he had have won the toss, then you wonder how many wickets we'd have them down currently, 57 overs into the first innings. But you're right, it's deflating for the team. Like Shaheen Shah Afridi, he must be flat bowling at times. His fielders just let him down. It seems time after time, and again, to have Warner dropped on two, they're, they're fortunate that he didn't go on and make more than 38. But again, they bowl, they win the toss and they bowl first, and they put one down, Abdullah Shafiq, a really poor drop and, and should have been taken. And unfortunately, it does. That goes through the side pretty quickly. And to have us two down at the moment, they probably should be in a better position if they had have bowled a little bit better. You mentioned the conditions are certainly there for Pakistan to take their opportunities and... We mentioned that at the MCG, the last three Boxing Day tests, when you batted first, you haven't made runs, and the other team, the team that's batted second, has won the test. So it looks like it's going to be a missed opportunity. If they go into stumps tonight with, with these two in, only two down, you wonder how many runs we're going to put on tomorrow and just set the test match up again and uh, run away with it. Yeah, it's, I must confess, when the when the toss happened earlier this morning and, and Pakistan won it and Australia sent in, I thought, this is great for the test match because yes. if Pakistan are any chance to be competitive in the match, they need to have the best of the conditions. And they clearly had that today. And um, Shaheen Shahafridi, who was really disappointing in Perth, particularly his lack of pace, yes. his, his airspeed, for, for whatever reason, is probably down 10 kilometres an hour on average. Um, for him to get an early wicket could have yeah. got them really rolling. We haven't seen him bowl again with the pace that we're used to seeing. He's definitely swinging the ball a fair bit here at the MCG, but I'm with you. Just an early wicket to get them rolling. Manus Labashane not in great form. He's he's coughing and spluttering his way around at the moment. He's still there. Um, but, gee, it was, uh, it was incredibly frustrating because, you, I mean, you all want Australia to win, obviously, but you want you want them put under pressure. You want them to have to work for their victories. You want to seek a competitive game. And Without when doubt. you, when you don't see it, particularly on boxing day, it's just, it just leaves things a bit flat. Cause the one thing that's more frustrating than anything in, in cricket is inevitable test cricket where you know, who's going to win, but it might take four or five days to get to that point. I want to see Australia put under pressure to see how they, how they respond. 
Yeah, exactly right. You want to see a good test match. You, you want Australia to win, but you want them to be pushed. And that's exactly what Shaheen Shah-Afridi, I feel like he's a barometer of that side. And if he's up and about early, they are up and about early. And that missed opportunity is why they are in this situation. We do have a DRS decision, though, a review here. Yes, Steve Smith caught behind. It could be two in his in two overs where he actually gets away with it or he's not given out. So they'll take this one upstairs and we'll see if they have got their man on this occasion, Jamal Zabola, that potentially might have Steve Smith back to the sheds for 26. We're going to find out, find out pretty quickly as to whether he's nicked that. It's very close. It is. We just have to see whether we've got the hot spot or the, the sound waves to determine whether that's touched the bat on the way through. And I said we're going to get an answer very quickly. It's hard to tell from that it side It doesn't of view, look isn't it? like there's much on hot spot. It is hard to tell with the, the label on the, the back stickers. of the bat, yeah. the stickers. But, yeah, the, there isn't a lot on that. So they're going to need the snicker. They're going to need to go to the next frame and see whether he's hit it. It's another example, though, Dan, of just how a combination of the it, it not being good batting conditions or not easy batting conditions and Labashane and Smith just struggling at the moment. They and are struggling at the moment. And he's there is too. definitely a there is definitely a flicker. So on that's on Snicko. I think you'll find that he's out here. He is. That is that'll be a huge wicket for Pakistan to get Steve Smith for twenty six. And as you said, it's they are struggling. There's it's not good batting conditions. So no batsman wants to come in and have to face these bowlers at the moment in these tough conditions. We still have 40 minutes of play. Travis yeah, Head will be out. in because Steve Smith is out. He is out. So as I mentioned earlier, with the the rain and all those sorts of things, still 40 minutes to go. Now, Pakistan now have got 40 minutes to get themselves back in the match. If they can get two more here and have Australia five down for, say, 180, 190, that's pretty much level pegging, I think. Even though they won the toss and bowled, I, I don't think the pitches, the, this pitch is as is quite as bowler-friendly as we've seen over the last two or three years. I think we've got a bit of a game on our hands. That's it. And that's all they could have asked for is they're in the game. If they can get Australia four or five wickets down at stumps tonight, then they'll be very happy with where they are. They made the three changes, Pakistan, to their team. Australia unchanged from the Perth test. I do like that they brought in Mohamed Rizman, the experienced keeper. I just feel like their yep. batting lineup now with Masood, with Rizwan, and uh, with Baba Azam in there, it gives them a bit more experience and potentially they might be able to make some runs. And, hey, they've got Australia in a nice position here where they will have an opportunity to bat and potentially have a lead with that lineup. So a good spot, 40 minutes of play remaining in the day. It's a big 40 minutes for Pakistan. Moving ball, late in the day, Travis Head and potentially Mitch Marsh having to bat in these conditions. They wouldn't want to be out there batting. No, they would prefer they would to be not. waiting until tomorrow. So. It's a, it's a really interesting one with Smith. I don't want to harp on it too much, but again, getting out that way, nicking through to the keeper, that's how he got out in Perth. He's just, I don't know, there's something not right. And uh, he has such a set, such a high bar. So it's very hard to, it's very hard to be too critical for a bloke that's averaging close to 60 in test cricket, but he's not quite the player he was. And I'm not no. entirely sure why. It's Colo hit the nail on the head when he said that he hit those four centuries at the MCG, which has just inflated that average at the MCG. And in recent times, since he's come back into the side, he hasn't 
quite been the same player as you mentioned. I mean, Marnus, we mentioned he's struggling. He's 28 off 89 delivery. So he doesn't necessarily go at the same strike rate as David Warner, but he's, uh, it's not easy batting conditions. And Travis Head, how does he go about it? He plays his normal aggressive game, even with just the 35 minutes of play remaining in the day. I think he has to, because I think it's the only way he can play successfully. Yep. I think if he pokes around a little bit too much, that's when he can get himself into a spot of bother. So I think it's pretty important that, yeah, he just bats the way he bats. I think it's been proven that at other times in his test career, particularly when he tries to bat like a really proper batsman, that's when he starts to get himself into trouble. I think he's just got to back his instinct and play his, his natural game, which makes the Smith dismissal so much more important because you kind of don't want to have him batting at this time. No. Anyway, we're going to take a break. One for 28, the Sixers, in the game against the Stars in the BBL. So we've got cricket on two channels at the moment on SEN, plus us on Sports Day. More to come after this. Adam White and Daniel Menzel on Sports Day on this Boxing Day night. Sports Day for Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And for McDonald's, crispy, crunchy golden onion rings are back at Macca's and they come with tangy barbecue sauce. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to the program. It is Sports Day with Adam White and also Daniel Menzel. News headlines are brought to you by the spirit of Tasmania. Stretch out in freedom and board the spirit of Tasmania. It is an opportunity for us to talk about the 78th edition of the Sydney to Hobart. Are you a Sydney to Hobart man, Dan? I'm an all sports man, so I do tune in a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. Is that a, is a that sport? Is it, it is a sport, is it? Uh, yachting, apparently. <laughs> Oh, just asking, just asking. Uh, the lead is changing at the front of the Sydney to Hobart with uh, Andrew Comanche uh, leading Law Connect and also SHK Scallywag. But at the back of the fleet, Ollie, the first ever cat to sail in the race, he's also uh, going quite well, apparently. All reports uh, on board uh, Sylph the sixth. I'm not sure on the pronunciations of a few of a few of these. What I would but, say, Whitey, is it would be a very hard sport to absolutely nail. You'd have to be fit to be on board these yachts. Absolutely, you do. Absolutely, there's no Some doubt treacherous about conditions as yes. well as you get closer to Hobart. Well, the normal host of this program, Jared Healy, has uh, has been very much involved in the Sydney to Hobart in the past. He's done it quite a few times. Uh, there was a bit of controversy at the start. Scallywag. Uh, has already done a double penalty turn following a protest from Andrew Comanche over a close call actually in Sydney Harbour at the start. So the winds are starting to pick up, which is helping the leaders, but forecasts are predicting a difficult trip south for boats and their crews as they head for Hobart. So that is uh, an update on the Sydney to Hobart, uh, brought to you by the Spirit of Tasmania. From luggage limits, you can pack more in, sorry, free from luggage limits. You can pack more into your adventure with the spirit of Tasmania. Now now it's time for the Brandt Sport Update. Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. There are quite a few news stories uh, coming out today, despite the fact that it is Boxing Day. We will start with a cricket update. Australia 3 for 162 at the MCG. Lubbershane 35, Travis Head yet to score. Travis Head has just been hit in the shoulder by a beamer yes. from uh, Shane Charafridi that's... He's got a warning for intimidatory bowling, and um, <laughs> as you would expect, uh, he just just totally – it was one of the most dangerous balls I think I've ever seen. Did you see that one? I did, and 
I was not surprised at all when I saw who the bowler was, that it was Shaheen Shahafridi, <laughs> that it came out of his hand. He, somewhat wayward, and uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to do that again because it'd be off. Now, there is another review that's been challenged by the Pakistanis against Manus Labashain for LBW. I think it's fair to say it's going down league side, but we'll, yep. we'll wait on that one. Um, the update from the SCG, there's cricket, live cricket going everywhere at the moment. Uh, the Sydney Sixers, two versus 37. That's after six overs against the Melbourne Stars at the SCG. Vince on 11, Enriquez on two. The men out, Philippi for 19 and Hughes for two. So in that game, the Stars did win the toss and chose to field. Now It's a good start ca- for the Stars. Yep, they need, absolutely. They need a win because the Stars and the Renegades, who play tonight, are both on the bottom of the table. Not good for Melbourne in the Big Bash. Only the one point between the two sides. So important games that they get their season rolling tonight, the Stars and the Renegades. Yes, absolutely. It's it's hard to believe where they were about five or six years ago where they played off in the grand final against yep. each other. As it stands at the moment, neither have won a game this year. And uh, the star, uh, the Renegades did make the finals last year, but generally speaking, both the, the Melbourne-based teams have not been good in recent years. Just confirming that that Labuschagne dismiss, uh, dismissal isn't a dismissal. It was uh, challenged by Pakistan and it remains not out. Now, I'm not sure if you caught up with this news in the world of AFL football, but Channel 7's Mitch Cleary, Cleary reported uh, earlier today that Hawthorne coach Sam Mitchell has spent Christmas in a New York hospital after being diagnosed with pneumonia. He was admitted three days ago and he's recovering well, but he's expected to remain in hospital for several more days. Wow. Um, I'm not sure how this has happened, but... Um, Quite scary, I would imagine, to have pneumonia and be stuck on the other side of the world over Christmas. Yeah, that's a horrific way to spend your Christmas, and we wish him well and hope that he's okay. We we are going to speak later in the show with Felix von Hoff about the NBL and playing on Christmas and travelling on Christmas Day and how that is for for players. Well, that's far better than spending Christmas in hospital. So hopefully Sam Mitchell is okay and can get out of hospital reasonably soon. How do you think the Hawks will go next year? Uh, I think they're going to be similar to what they were this year. I think there's still a lot of growth there and it's going to take time that they are a very young list. I mean, when you move out the players that they have over the past couple of seasons, it is going to take time. I think they had a couple of really good results last year that they don't necessarily always just follow up the following season with a couple of extra wins. I think we've seen that in recent times with a few teams, a team over here, even in the Adelaide Crows, are just expected to make the jump, make the leap, uh, because that's where the list is at. But I think Hawthorne, a lot of people in 2023 picked them to win the wooden spoon. So I'm not going to get ahead of myself and say that, hey, they were actually very surprising last year. They'll take another leap. I think they're going to take a little bit of time, but I do like what Sam Mitchell is doing there. This is a bit of a, a leading question, but with Hawthorne, the way they play their football, or at least the way they played their football in 2023, they took the game on, they took a lot of risks because there wasn't too much expectation. Do you think a lot of that pressure. changes once all of a sudden the pressure of expectation grows and all of a sudden they're seen as, oh, hang on a sec, they're, they were a good team in 2023. If they continue to play like that, they, they could make the finals. Does that that mindset change a little bit and it's harder to play that sort of high-risk game? It is a little bit harder, but it's also harder because the opposition starts to figure it out and yep. they know what you're doing. It's not as unexpected and it's not we're coming up against a young team that's just going to play with energy and we're not really sure what to expect. I think that 
teams are going to know when they're coming up against the Hawthorne and Sam Mitchell coached Hawthorne side, they will be able to anticipate a little bit better what side they're going to get. So that will be their challenge naturally this year is to continue to get that natural progression forward. And look, seven wins last year or seven wins this year, sorry, in 2023, 16 losses. I think that's a good year for Hawthorne and where their list is at. So Will they be able to replicate that next year? And should that be the goal? Absolutely. But I'm not sure they're going to push forward much more than that. And I don't think they should be expected to either. Almost like a consolidation year to to try and get in that sort of seven to nine wins and then push the year after, maybe. Without a doubt. I mean, the Bulldogs, the Crows, the Bombers, Geelong and Richmond and Fremantle all didn't make the finals this year. So if Hawthorne think they're going to just jump straight up and be in contention, there's a lot of good sides in there that they still have to take another leap to be able to contend with before they even look at the top eight. So look, Hawks fans out there, it might be a couple of years away, which, again, I don't think is the worst thing. We're seeing some of these other teams build and get into a position to be able to contend. It does take a couple of years. Yeah, I tend to agree, but I do like the way they're playing and uh, I hope they continue to play that way and, as I said, not start to get a bit more careful as the... So the importance of it all starts to, to get a little bit more significant as they start to push towards uh, a top eight. This is the, the sports update for Brant, uh, your local John Deere equipment supplier. A uh, bit of news in basketball, and, and I know this is more your sport than mine, but Josh Giddy has injured his ankle, and it might be quite serious because Oklahoma City haven't put a time frame on his return. And considering that the year he's having both on and off the court, um, it's probably not a good time to get injured. No, it's never a good time to get injured, but you're right. Josh Giddy has been in the headlines over the last month and uh, now to have a serious ankle injury, uh, and not just for him, but also for Oklahoma City. They're currently sitting third in the West. They've got the sixth best record in all of the NBA. So they're a team that, probably not dissimilar to Hawthorne, are coming from right down the bottom, rebuilding, uh, last year showed some signs and some glimpses. This season, all of a sudden, people are looking at them going, hang on, they might actually be a real shot to make the playoffs. They're currently sitting with an 18-9 and win-loss record. An injury to Giddy, one of their better players, it's going to impact that team and it will obviously impact him as well. So you hope that it's not going to keep him out for too long. But uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, he is their point guard and he is having a sensational season. He will be up there in the MVP conversation. But you just hope that Giddy that loss doesn't impact them too much because it's a pretty close competition that could quickly drop out of playoff contention. Now, sticking with the American sports, the Chiefs have now lost four of their last six. Yep. Now, I'm not sure anyone really thought that this would be possible um, six weeks ago. And we've seen um, you know, the whole drama with, uh, what's her name? The singer? Tay-Tay? Uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor yeah, Swift. Yeah, yeah, you a Tay-Tay fan? This, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> So is this is could this be a genuine distraction on them, the team, uh, or is this? No, I I think that look potentially if it was Travis is playing really poorly and it's then maybe there's signs there, but no, they they're clearly somewhat broken. They their offense really struggles. They got a great defense. They lost today to the Las Vegas yeah. uh, Raiders, yep. and they didn't. Their defense didn't concede a touchdown. Do you know that Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback for for the Raiders, did not actually complete a pass in the last three quarters of the right. game, so, and they still won the game. It's because that Mahomes he had a fumble, 
with Pacheco and uh, also an interception, which was a pick six. So it's their offense, which is the issue at the moment. And they haven't been able to get this right for a long time. So they are, they're in a bit of trouble. They're probably still going to win their division and make the playoffs. But another interesting stat here for you, Whitey, Patrick Mahomes has never gone on the road uh, in the playoffs and won. So he's going to have to do this that this year. They've been the one seed every time they've contended for the Super Bowl. So the Chiefs, there is some real concerns they're heading into the playoffs. So is it a Mahomes issue or is it just an offensive issue? It's an offensive issue. They Their offensive line isn't great. Other than Travis Kelsey, they don't really have a receiver that you can rely on. And Mahomes is certainly not playing at the same level that he has. But if you haven't got the pieces around you, unfortunately, it makes it really difficult. All right. Continuing our brand sports update, uh, your local John Deere equipment supplier. This is another interesting story. Uh, sticking overseas in the world of sport, and this is uh, with the EPL. Now, Jim Ratcliffe... It's finally happened. Uh, he has agreed to a deal to buy 25% stake in Manchester United for £1.25 billion. So that works out at about $2.3 billion Australian dollars. So while he only has 25% stake, he's actually now responsible for all football operations. Now, this is uh, obviously a very rich man um, who was, um, he's a, he, he is British and he has grown up as a, he's a lifelong supporter of Manchester United and he's made it very clear that he's not happy that it's been, well, it's 2013 since they won the title. Yep. He wants to change that. Currently Man United in the eighth spot, 12 points behind leaders Arsenal. It puts a lot of press, pressure on Eric uh, Ten Hag, who is the, the, yes. the under siege manager at the moment at Manchester United. And he, he can't be sitting comfortably not just because they're in eighth spot, but the fact that a, a new owner has, has come into town. But uh, this could really shake up Manchester United now that deal has gone through. Which they need to happen. I mean, we're, we're both probably somewhat happy that they've been somewhat ir- irrelevant since 2013. Yes. I'm a Liverpool man and you're a Tottenham man. But yep. Manchester United dominated for such a long time. The, unfortunately, the, the Glazer family, they run the club and they still will run the club and their yep. supporters have been very disappointed with how they've run the club for a long time now. So you hope that Ratcliffe does come in and can have an impact. But yeah, Men United have been effectively irrelevant since 2013. And if there's going to be changes, then they will compete again. But look, Whitey, I'm pretty happy with them sitting down in eighth position I'm on the table. I'm very comfortable too. I'm very <laughs> comfortable too. It will be a really interesting uh, January transfer period, which is only a week away because you've got um, Man, C- Man City where they are. I don't yes. think they would be happy currently in fifth spot, even though they've got a, a game in hand. You've got Tottenham, who are my team, that Ange Postacoglu's made it really clear he needs more players. And they've got a, a massive injury list at the moment. So there has to be a temptation to give Ange what he wants, considering how well he's gone through the first half of the season and thinking, well, geez, you know, if we can get a couple of extra players in, what, what anything's possible because it does feel quite even near the top. And then you've got a team like Aston Villa exceeding yeah. expectations. Do they keep doing what they're doing or try and improve their list? It's a, it's a really interesting next month, I reckon, in the EPL, off the pitch as much as on the pitch. It is. And what it is is it's great for the EPL because in the yes. past five or six seasons – 
Liverpool's won a title in there, but we've known Man City's going to win the title. Everyone's basically known that, and that's happened nearly every single year. This year, you don't know who's going to win the Premier League. So Arsenal leading on 40 points, Liverpool 39. You mentioned Aston Villa, the surprise of the year on 39 points. Your guys, Tottenham on 36. And then Man City back in fifth position on 34 points. So the transfer window is going to be really important for those sides up the top of the table. But it is, it's probably as open a Premier League race as we've seen for a number of years, almost since Man United was dominating the competition. Yep, agree. And there are plenty of games over the next few days and you can hear so many of them on SEN. That is uh, the end of the sports update for Brant. We'll take a break and come back with more. This is Sports Day on Boxing Day. This is Sports Day. It is Sports Day on this Boxing Day night. It is the Urban Surf weather report too. Learn to surf this summer at Urban Surf in Melbourne. Book now and score waves. Castle Cove looks to be the best bet if you're looking for a wave in Victoria with fair conditions reported at waves of, well, between three and five feet expected. Learn to surf this summer at Urban Surf Melbourne. Book now and score waves. Now, Dan, you played footy in Geelong. You played footy in Sydney. Are you a surfer? Uh, I'm not actually. I think the fact, Whitey, that I did four knees probably ended my days out in the ocean. Unfortunately, I haven't got back to it, but uh, how about yourself? No, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, Now, in the cricket, uh, and this is, it's hard to say it's an arm wrestle because Australia only lost three wickets, but it's been slow going. The run rate just at 2.81 runs and overs. So, uh, it will continue for the next nine minutes or so before stumps because of the rain we've gone through until seven o'clock local time. But uh, it is the story of the day. It is the good oil for Cobram Estate. Cobram Estate Premium Australian Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Three for one, seven, eight. Lavashane on 42 and head on eight. So Steve Smith, the batsman, to be dismissed while we've been on air, Dan. But also up in Sydney at the moment... Uh, which is quite interesting, yeah. So halfway through the Sydney Sixers innings, the Stars winning the toss and electing to bowl. Four for 57, the Sixers. James Vince is still there on 17. Jack Edwards there on nine. But they have lost the wickets of Philippi for 19, Hughes for two, Enriquez for five, and Silk for one. So they've really got their key guys out outside of James Vince. So this might be the chance for the Stars. Yeah, we mentioned that the Stars need to get their season going. They haven't won a game yet. And Usama Murray's taken three for 12 off his three overs. So clearly good conditions there up in Sydney for the bowlers. So a great position for the Stars to be in at the halfway mark of the Sixers inning. So if if they can restrict him to realistically, they'd want to keep him under, what, 121.30 from here? Yeah, if they could. I think even sort of one... 140, 150. Oh, it's always hard. The, the Sixers are so good def- in defensive they, mode. With the they way do they bat pretty deep as well. Yeah. The yeah. Sixers. So, no, I, I think I think they'd 140 would be what they would be trying to get them under, I'd reckon, from here. Um, now, just we'll talk about this a lot over the, the next week or so because we're doing a fair bit of this together. Uh, you're in Adelaide. I'm in Melbourne for those yes. that are listening. So we're, we're sort of combining the two sports days together. But are you someone that gets behind the strikers being a, an Adelaide boy, being that one team or you just it's on so you watch it and you're more watching for the players as opposed to supporting a team uh with the big bash i i am a strikers man i have growing up in adelaide always followed it was the redbacks in the cricket in the sheffield yep. shield and the one day and now it's the strikers in the big bash so i definitely will follow the strikers and a couple of adelaide's teams but 
I guess we were talking about this off air that uh, when it comes to NBA, I, I'm also follow players rather than teams. It's, it's different for every sport, but um, a lot of people here in Adelaide very par- parochial towards their mm. teams, uh, which I love. I actually love the passion of supporters towards their sides, and sometimes they get a little bit too biased. But uh, the strikers, mm. Rashid Khan gone from the strikers, so it is hurting the strikers over here. But how about yourself? Are you a Stars, no, a Renegade? No, I'm neither. No, I'm neither. And I, and I watch it every night, and I love it. But I'm envious of people from Adelaide or people from Perth, people from Brisbane, where they have got that one team. That real connection. can be connect, connected to it, whereas I feel it's a bit artificial the Renegades yes. and the Stars, and I think that has an impact on the way they play as well as how many people go and watch them play. It's a very fair point you make. All right, we're off to a break. Uh, basketball, that's our chat next after the break. But as it stands at the moment, with only five minutes to go before Stumps Australia, three for 184, La Machine 42, head on eight. Back with more after this. Yes, welcome back to Sports Day. It's thanks to Kia. The Epic has arrived. The all-electric Kia EV9 and also McDonald's. The Chicken Big Mac is back at Macca's. Adam White and Daniel Menzel with you on this Boxing Day edition of Sports Day and also joining us on Boxing Day night is Felix Von Hoff, who is an NBL ESPN commentator who was there last night watching Tasmania uh, or the Jack Jumpers up in, uh, in action against the southeast Melbourne Phoenix playing on Christmas Day. It was a bit different. I wonder how Felix thought about all of that. Felix, thanks for joining us on Sports Day. No worries, boys. I'm just thinking of that chicken Big Mac that you just mentioned there. doesn't sound too bad. No, they're good, I can tell you. They're very good. They're <laughs> yeah, very good. Them. <laughs> I, I eat too many of them. Um, well, firstly, before we get into the, the tin tacks of the game, what was it like um, to be at a, at a professional sporting event on Christmas Day? We see it in America all the time, but not so much here in Australia. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's always just been a sort of staple of American sports. But over here, you get you find that people have to get quite defensive of Christmas Day. I know that, you know, just on the NBL social media and stuff, you get a lot of people saying, how dare they make people work? How dare they do this? How dare they do that? Well, I'll tell you what, we're all getting double pay down there. So everyone was very, very happy to be there. No one was, no, there was no gun to the head saying you have to be there on Christmas Day. But look, to be honest, the game was at 5.30 p.m., a lot of people over there, you know, you had whole families coming. Everyone had finished their sort of festivities or whatever it be. Sometimes you've got family that lives overseas, interstate. So each game, they did it last year in Sydney as well. And, of course, they had the game in Sydney after this Tassie one. And all of them have had really, really good crowds and, and really vocal sort of family crowds. And people dress up and they, they really get after it. So I think it's – look, I'm, I'm surprised at every sport, well, mainly sports. Like, you know, the Big Bash is one that I'm really surprised hasn't sort of tapped into that market yet because, you know, other than, you know, the Griswold family Christmas, there's just not much on TV and much to do once everyone's finished eating. <laughs> so, Felix, how many people were there last night? Was it a, a normal sort of, you know, capacity crowd or was there a few less than what would be the case normally? Yeah, well, I think the Tasmania, because they've got one of the smallest stadiums in the league, I believe it's only 5,000 is all they can fit in that MyStake Bank Arena. It's about 4,600 was the actual attendance. Now, the game was sold out for, you know, obviously some members weren't able to make it on the uh, on the day, but they've got more memberships and they actually have seats in the venue for Tasmania. They love their basketball that much. So I think the end, it, the, it, it was definitely, you know, it was loud. It was, it was totally packed, but I think it was around 4,600. Okay, that's not bad. So before I let Dan uh, jump in and ask uh, plenty of questions on the specifics of the game, is this something that you could see a club or a couple of clubs try and sort of take ownership of a little bit like we think of AF with, you know, Essendon and Collingwood wanting Anzac Day and, 
you know, Richmond and and uh, and also Carlton wanting the the first game of the season. Not that they're getting that this year. Um, but do you see that sort of thing as a, a bit of a tradition that that Tasmania would want, or another club or another team would want in the future? Yeah, it's an interesting one when it comes to the players. Like obviously, with commentators and stuff, you can you can work your schedules around, and you can take a bit of extra time off before, a bit of extra time off after. But the players are the interesting ones because. They're sort of they're not getting any extra money now. They're paid well to be there, but they're not getting any extra money or any extra incentive to play on Christmas Day. And a lot of them do have families, so I think that it'd be hard pressed to find a team that would say, "Hey, we want to do this every single year." Versus what the NBL's done at the moment, which is sort of rotated around. You know, Sydney have done it both years. I'd, I'd probably say that's a market that you can always have Christmas Day because they do have a pretty heavy population there that doesn't celebrate Christmas. So it's a very and it's very into basketball. So it's, it's an easy market to fill the stands and to fill the crowd with. But look, I'd, I'd be surprised if a single team outside of maybe Sydney went in there and just said, you know, we're going to do this every year. I think they'll, they'll rotate it around for the most part. So Felix, is that what you expect to see? I mean, Sydney had 8,500 there at their game yesterday against Illawarra. The last three games, they've all had over 10,000 fans. So probably a slight drop off there in Sydney. Do you expect the NBL to say, hey, look, we're going to open it up to the 36ers. We're going to open up to the Wildcats, two different teams to have that opportunity. And then potentially they say, hey, it's not for us. Or maybe, yeah, let's give it a crack. Yeah, I think every team will want to have a crack at it because, it, look, it's an interesting game you can have. I know Tasmania did their special Christmas jerseys, which sold out immediately. So there's a lot of stuff you can add to it. One thing that I would like the NBL to do is to just say, you know what, the tickets are 5 bucks or the tickets are 10 bucks. We're not going to knock on regulation prices on this one. We're just going to fill the stands because the best thing about Christmas Day as well for a league, you know, that's a minority sport when you compare it to the AFL and cricket is you just want new eyeballs on. And the league's at a level now where you want as many eyeballs as possible. And to do that, you know, make the tickets dirt cheap on that day. The best thing about the TV is on Christmas Day, you get a big audience that may not necessarily watch basketball. And hopefully, if you have a good game, it can draw them in. Yeah, I think that's an underrated point, is you're going to get a bigger viewing crowd on TV at home watching the game. And you were at at Tassie last night. Uh, Is there concerns down there? They've lost three of their last four games now. Just a week and a half ago, it looked like they might be the major contenders to Melbourne United. Is there a few concerns with dropping three of their last four? Yeah, well, well, there's a big concern when it comes to the ladder because the parity in the NBL, you know, they dropped from second to fourth with that loss. And now Melbourne United are you know, four and a half games clear on top. It's, it's very hard to see them overall getting beaten. But look, the, the league has, it's a, such a roller coaster league where, you know, the, the Illawarra Hawks were the worst team in the league by a, the length of a Flemington straight. And now all of a sudden they're, you know, potentially going to be a contender and, and be able to sneak into the finals late, albeit a new coach and everything. But yeah, I, I would never be too worried with a couple of losses, especially because they haven't been necessarily terrible losses you know they, they laid an egg against southeast melbourne that's for sure they, they you know there was glad wrap over the rim they just couldn't get it done but <laughs> no I, I wouldn't be too concerned for the for the tassie locals there i think they'll be able to bounce back once uh, push comes to shove and you mentioned illawarra as well with their new coach justin tatum so jason's dad uh what a turnaround it's been in illawarra winning three of their last four matches must have been a surprise to see uh him get that improvement straight away Absolutely unbelievable. Now, if you're the old coach, you probably don't want to see that. The new bloke comes in. And the interesting thing with, with Justin Tatum, who on air I've called him Jason Tatum about 10 times. So I'll put out a public apology that I've called him Jason Tatum. But he, before coming to Illawarra, he'd only coached high school basketball. He really didn't have a huge pedigree. He was brought in as an assistant coach. And then obviously the change gets made and he gets that sudden lift to being the head coach because you usually have to go with the assistant coach. And now 
you know, the way that he's, he's a player's coach, the guys love him. I've spoken to guys at Illawarra, and they absolutely love the guy. So if I'm Illawarra, I'm saying, you know, this is our guy. Lock him in, because Adelaide's also hunting for a coach. And when you look at the two franchises, I'll probably say Adelaide can throw a bit more money at him. So if I'm Illawarra, I'm saying, look, this is our guy. But the change in that team, just from the mindset, you know, the guys love going to practice. They absolutely love being around him. He's, he's a fun guy. And also, late game, he's making the right decision. So I think that they're just, the Illawarra Hawks are lucky. They might have struck gold on a guy that, you know, if he had started his head coaching career elsewhere, he might have been, you know, seeking some much higher offers. But I think that they just need to put that pen to paper and say, this is our guy put some faith in the franchise and say this is our guy for the next couple of years. We're talking to Felix Von Hoff, who is an NBL ESPN commentator, joining us on Sports Day on this Boxing Day night. Felix, just on that, is that a do you, is it a sugar hit? Because often when a new coach comes in, there is that sugar hit where players will play really well for a period of time, sometimes short, and then things go, kind of go back <laughs> to reality. Or is this a bit different? Do you think this is sustainable? Well, I think it's sustainable because, look, it's the best bet in sport. A team that's had just fired their coach and they're coming back in because everyone sort of wakes up and thinks, hey, you know what, we, we, we might be next if we don't start playing well. And originally, that's what I thought it could be for the first couple of games. But then they won their third, and it was when they lost, they lost convincingly to Tasmania, and I thought, okay, here's where the party's over. Here's where they're going to they're step out their next game against Sydney and they're going to get smacked again, and everyone's going to say, you know what, Justin Tatum, maybe, maybe he's not the guy, and, you know, the NBL media, they'll be calling for his head the next week. But that win over Sydney, where they looked really, really good, I think that was enough. For the fact that they lost and then won again is enough for me to say, okay, there's some instinctual stuff. It's built in a little bit now, more so than just that sugar hit. But you know what? You never know at this point. There maybe is a little bit too early to be calling that he's the messiah in the future. But I do think we've seen at least enough now to be confident that he's good enough to be at the helm for at least the rest of the season. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Now, Felix, I want to ask you about Saturday night's overtime win. Is that the game of the season? Melbourne knocking off Perth. They were down by four points with less than 20 seconds to go in regulation and somehow found a way to get it done again. Absolutely unbelievable. By far, by far the best atmosphere of the season. I think the game over at the last quarter was the best last quarter and the best finish we've had it at. Everything, even the, the game-tying free throws, bounced up off the rim, bounced again, then went in. Like it had absolutely everything. And especially in a game like that, when it's sold out, the open air, they've got fireworks. Melbourne United was, you know, 10 minutes away from wrestling a bear at halftime. They absolutely brought out every single gimmick that you can bring out and they managed to put on a show for everyone. So it was fantastic. But now I think the, the mix of, you know, Chris Golding hitting big shots, Bryce Cotton coming out and just proving that he's the best player in the league by a country mile and possibly the greatest import we've ever seen. I think it, it had absolutely everything you'd want in it. So, yeah, no, if, if you can pick a game... To put on the poster for the NBL, that's the one. If you can pick a game to probably say, let's delete the footage, it would have been the Jack Jumpers versus <laughs> South East Melbourne on Christmas Day. So we got, the, we, we got the polar opposites in two different days. We did get the best of both worlds. Now I want to ask you about yeah. your Christmas. You were down in Tassie. Now you're up to Cairns today. It's, uh, you've been busy the last 24 hours. Did you get to celebrate it at all? Oh, I got a little bit. I spent the night at the parents' house and then uh, woke up and, and did a little bit of stuff there. But no, I, I, I like to conveniently party every weekend of the year. So I'm, <laughs> I'm quite happy to miss Christmas Day and uh, spend the other 52 weeks on Chapel Street. So it, it just it sort of even, evens itself out. But no, no, I, I, I see the family enough to, to chase some money elsewhere on Christmas Day. <laughs> and who wins tonight? The Taipans <laughs> or the Wildcats? <laughs> the Taipans or the Wildcats? Well, I'll tell you what, the game was almost cancelled tonight because the air conditioning broke in Cairns. 
an absolute Honest. shambles. But they've managed to get they've managed to get it fixed up. So there's no condensation on the court. So luckily we've got we've got that working for us here. But I, I think the Wildcats will be too strong in this one. And the fact that they've had to miss Christmas travelling to get over there, I think there's no no chance that they lay an egg in this one. So I'll, I'll go with the Wildcats tonight. I must confess, I've never heard of a, a game potentially cancelled because of an <laughs> air conditioning issue. I thought they would Welcome just to play. The NBL, this would have been hot. <laughs> yeah. Welcome yeah. to the NBL. Yeah, just get that, that, that condensation sort of stuff. Well, the last Cairns game, the shot clock broke, and I had to commentate that one, and we had a 51-minute break in between playing. We were, when's the shot clock coming back? So some of, this, <laughs> some of the things we love about the NBL, absolutely, any team can beat anyone, and absolutely anything can stop a game. So, Felix, just on that, as we let you go, if you had to rank, well, I'm going to ask you, rank the top three at this stage in what seems to be a fairly even competition, what what would your Felix power rankings be? Yeah, well, it'd be Melbourne United by as far as you can possibly get. Like, you know, four, four games ahead in what's a league that's usually separated by half a game, first through fourth. So Melbourne United easily at the top there. I'll still put Perth second. I think their turnaround in the second half of the season has been... Absolutely amazing. And any team with Bryce Cotton, you just have to rank highly. And I, and I do think that the Jack Jumpers, although they've been on a bit of a skid, I think there is a little bit of a gap between that three and when they're playing at their best. So the Jack Jumpers at their best, there's a little bit of a gap down now that Sydney started to drop off a little bit. Brisbane have got a player coming in. They could be all right. But I'd probably still put the Jack Jumpers up there in third. Okay. Interesting. Felix, uh, good luck tonight with the call and we'll catch you again soon. Thanks, mate. Speak soon. Thanks, Felix, Felix. Von Hoff uh, joining us there, NBL ESPN commentator. So as uh, he said, uh, Cairns and Perth, the action tonight. So it's an interesting one. And this is going to be our APCO hot topic. Uh, skip the queue with the APCO app uh, for tonight, Dan. The idea of playing professional sport here in Australia on, on Christmas Day, it's something that has is only just sort of coming through now. And it does feel like basketball's the the sport, that sort of Americanism that we see yep. it a lot in America. Um, NFL is a new sport that's becoming very popular on Christmas Day. Do you do you see a, a situation where possibly there, go, there are going to be other sports that will we'll look at Christmas Day, the BBL being the obvious one? It's a very interesting question. I think one of the, the playing group is the ones that you have to ask because, yep. as Felix mentioned, the players I don't think are going to necessarily love it. They're not going to be with their families. If you ask the Perth Wildcats, and Felix made this point, they travelled on Christmas Day. And so it's wiped out basically their Christmas. They're, they're playing in Cairns. It's a long road trip. Players I don't think will love it. I mean, you mentioned the NBA and that we may be following suit there. LeBron James got asked about this the other day and he said, I'm just uh, worried about my daughter and what Christmas present she's going to get rather than what I'm actually doing on the day. So I don't think that players love doing it. Uh, however, being a fan, you love watching it on TV. You love having some sport on TV that you can put on. Now, if we look at the crowd numbers from Tassie and from Sydney, Felix is right. Tassie sold out the last multiple games. The last three or four games, they've had 4,500 there. So that's not a problem. They need a bigger stadium down there. That's their problem in Tasmania. Yeah, but that's right. For Sydney, uh, Sydney's last three games, they had 12,000, 10,000, and 13,000 in the house. On Christmas Day, they had 8,500. So it's not far off, but it's not at the same levels of those games that aren't on Christmas Day. So I guess, Wally, the question I've got for you is, you've got three young kids. Would you think about taking them to see the NBL on Christmas Day, or is it just, no, that's clearly family day for us? Yeah, well, see, this is the thing. and For me, no, because it's a family day. And so yep. we have 
commit family commitments at lunchtime and then we have family commitments at night and the television doesn't go on on Christmas day because of yep. the, the connection to the family and the respect, I guess, for, for older members of the family that have made the effort, you know, you might see them only once a year, that that's a time to spend with the family. And I was always of the view also that Good Friday was one of those days that that was a family day. Growing up as a teenager, there was no more boring day than Good Friday. There was nothing <laughs> on television. There was yeah. nothing to do unless you wanted to watch the, the Good Friday appeal. And uh, it drive you crazy. But then when you have your own children and you, you create your own family, you realize how important Good Friday is for a family because you can actually spend time together without there being a distraction. Yes. Then all of a sudden we had one and then at times two games of AFL football on Good Friday and it just changed the entire complexity or complexion of the day. Now, you don't have to turn the television on and watch it. I understand that. You've got a choice. But I do like the idea that sport doesn't have to be on every day and sometimes by not having it actually makes you more passionate about it because it makes you look forward to it the next day and, and you start to realise how special the sport can be. Uh, that that would be my inclination. Um, but if they had it on, I'm not going to sort of go crazy and, you know, start you know, yelling at clouds and all that sort of thing saying it's it's the worst thing possible because it, it creates a choice for people. If they want to do it, yep, it's on, watch it. Um, but if you don't have to turn the television on and watch it. That's that's the other part of looking at that argument as well. Yeah, it is. And I, I think you make a really good point where I'm okay with not having sport on for one day because you're right, we get to Boxing Day and you want to see the test match. There's two yep. big bash games on today that families will go to and if they're playing on Christmas Day, potentially... The novelty is not there as much. Uh, I think for the NBL, maybe it is something that they can make their own because I'm not sure the Big Bash will take it on anytime soon. We know that Australian Test Cricket will never change Boxing Day. Why would they? So maybe there is a vacancy for the NBL to really try and capitalise on in the future. But I do think that it is much more an Americanised thing because in America, they've had that tradition for such a long time. The Lakers take on the Celtics on Christmas Day. Everyone knows that. It's a, it's yep. an amazing day. I mean, the Nuggets played the Warriors and won today. The Heat took on the 76ers. You've got the Knicks and the Bucks. some great games that are celebrated over there. And then the NFL as well. San Francisco and Baltimore played in a potential Super Bowl preview today where Baltimore pulled off an incredible upset, 33-19. to 19. My Eagles took on the Giants. So they do it very well over there. But I'm not sure that it will quite get that same feel or connection here. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you know American sport better than I do, but it's a relatively new thing that the NFL has taken on Christmas Day. Yes. And what has happened is that the television numbers for the NFL on Christmas Day are astronomical. <laughs> they are. Um, they've sort of gone up four or five times um, just since they started doing it. And they, they are massive numbers. And, and, and the reality is those numbers are what matters. Um, and, you know, from a commercial point of view, uh, from a fan's point of view, if they're the sort of numbers that are being done on television, then the pressure is on to put more content on for people, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's the reality. Without a doubt. The NFL is the biggest sport in America by a long way, and it gets the most viewers, but also fans in attendance. The, the difference probably between the NFL and the NBA and us here in Australia is they have guaranteed fans that if 
half of their crowd doesn't want to go for Christmas Day, there'll be another half that will rock up. So they know they're going to get the crowd, but they also know they're going to get the viewers both in America but also worldwide and globally, which is which is huge. It, it means that it just drives up the revenue. And the NFL, they did. They saw that the NBA was really controlling that day and having success on Christmas Day. And they thought, you know what, we'll just swoop in here and take a little bit of that off the NBA. And the numbers are staggering. Uh, they have put a couple of – or they put the San Fran and Baltimore game on this day for that reason – and, uh, yeah, the numbers today would have been incredible. But they do. They they have a very good product. And uh, it's something that here in Australia, we don't quite have it, particularly with the NBL. It's still growing and it still needs to get to that level. But that's where my hesitation would be around, I guess, oversaturating the sport here in Australia on Christmas Day. Yeah, so you've got to look at trends. So the trend, if you look at the two uh, most recent examples in Sydney, so 7,012 turned up last year. Eight and a half thousand have turned up this year. So that's trending in the right direction from an attendance point of view. Yes. Um, we haven't got any uh, television numbers at this point in time. And, and that clearly comes into play as well. I think the um, the interesting one you touched on earlier about the cricket and the big bash as to whether it will happen in the future. And you talked about how play, you know, getting convincing the players that it's the right thing to do is is the biggest challenge. And that was certainly the case with cricket. They did talk about it behind closed doors quite a few years ago now and there was a was a push maybe I reckon four or five years ago and the players were just dead set against it. They didn't want yep. to do it. Um, yep. Now what we're seeing now is, and tonight's a good example, there are actually two games of BBL being played tonight. So there's one currently underway in Sydney between the Sixers and the Stars and then later on it's the Renegades and also the Scorchers in Perth. Now both the Stars players and the Renegades players had to travel on Christmas Day for this game to happen tonight. Yep. So they still had to sacrifice their families to a point. I wonder in the future if it was that the BBL, and I'm putting my marketing hat on here more than anything else, but if if it was to happen in the future, where I could see it working is that it would be a Melbourne derby between the Stars and the Renegades where no one would actually have to travel to play in that game. Um, so, you know, you can go and have your lunch, even even potentially even have your afternoon tea if you wanted to. Um, with your family, or plum pudding doesn't usually t- happen until about 4.30 in our house anyway on Christmas Day. <laughs> yep. um, but you could still do that and then, you know, drive to the game at, like the like the fans are and, and there's not too big of an issue for the, for the players or, you know, an inconvenience on the players in doing something like that. And from a marketing point of view, you know, the stars wear green, the renegades wear red, Christmas colours, away we go. It's the Christmas clash. Hey, you might be onto something there. The, now, if I play devil's advocate for a second here, Cricket Australia will say we've got the Boxing Day test the next day. We do not want you coming into that and potentially taking away anything when it comes to driving fans, marketing. The one that's the no-brainer for mine is Sydney, Sydney Sixers and Sydney Thunder. They don't yep. have cricket on effectively until after New Year's. So that's the one where I'm with you that play two teams against each other that don't have to travel interstate. It means that they get to spend Christmas at home, but you also get to do it uh, in that state and have that success. I think that the Sydney one is the one that they potentially could trial and then look at potentially Melbourne if they wanted to go with a Christmas day into a Boxing Day test. So would you – you obviously were a professional – Australian rules footballer as opposed to a, a cricketer, but would you be against playing? And it, and would have your decision changed based on, I mean, you're, you've only now got a young son, a very young son, so family's all ahead of you, but yep. would, would that change your view a little bit 
as to whether you'd want to be involved in something like that or even potentially go to something like that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you'd prioritize, as you said, family. And so I would rather not play on the day. Now, why why that is, if you get called up and you have to play, you do it. But I guess players would look at it and the Players Association would look at it and go, if we're going to play on this day, we want something in return. Yeah. Whether it's in the next bargaining agreement, however that looks, hey, we're giving you something here. You need to give us something back. Because I most players would not want to be traveling or playing on Christmas Day. If they have to do it, they absolutely will. But if they had a preference, why would you? That's As you said, that's your day with your family. Unless you're an import and you're overseas and you don't have your family with you, it'd be one of those days that, yeah, we, we can play every other day. But, uh, yeah, Christmas Day is one that, yeah, if you can avoid it, I think the players would love to avoid it. The last thing I'll say on this is I still think we've got to be really careful that we don't just do what they do in America. Um, we are our own country. We do it our own way. Just because things happen in America doesn't necessarily mean we have to do it here. Yep. Um, there are some really good parts of America, and I've been to America a number of times watching American sport, and it is a fantastic experience, whether you're watching on television or whether you're at the at the game. But just because it works in America doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work here, and just because they do it there doesn't mean we have to do it here. And that you know that that, that covers everything when it comes to American sport. Um, I just think we've got to be a bit careful that we just don't do what they do. All right, so that is our APCO hot topic. Skip the queue with APCO, uh, with the APCO app. Now that is uh, it for the moment. We're going to take a break and come back with plenty more on Sports Day on the other side of this.